God has called us to love. Not only love, but to love at a whole nother level. He says that we as believers, we as Christians, as Christ followers will be known by our love. He says when we love one another, his love is being perfected in us. All throughout scripture, he talks about love. He talks about what our love life should look like as his children and what it shouldn't look like. All throughout the Bible, we see, we see this. And it begs us to ask this question. When people see our love life, when people see the way that we treat each other, when they see the way that we walk in love with one another, will it line up? Does your love life line up? The way that you walk in love, the way that you treat people, does it line up? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Just right there. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Pastor, how does, how does that, you, I need you to put that, put that together. Well, there are two ways of thinking when it comes to walking in love. There is the world's way of thinking, and then there's the Bible's way of thinking. Those two are not interchangeable. They are separate from one another. They are opposite of one another. And, and the problem that I see as believers, it's not that we've, we've taken this uh, uh, anti-Jesus, anti-Bible type of stance when it comes to love. However, I fear what we've done is we've lost our fear of God. We've diluted the intensity of the word of God. We've, we, we, we've, we've diluted the value of God's word in our life. And we've started to make exceptions to our love walk. And what I see, what, what, what I've noticed, this, this kind of cycle is because we're Christians because we love Jesus and we're Christians, we don't just not love people. Oh, we don't do that. No, no, no. The Bible says that we have to love one another. So we don't just not love people, but what we do is we say we, we just love them until. We love them except for. Okay. Dad, I'm just going to preach to you, all right? <laughs> I love you until, says, I love you, I, I love a version of you that makes me comfortable. Okay? Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I just, I love this, this part of who you are. 
I don't love the ugly parts. I don't love the parts that need a little work. I don't, I don't love the parts that, that are hidden, that are deep in the back in the corner. I don't love that part. I just love this version, the, the, the part that the version of you that comes every Saturday, right? The version of you that loves Jesus is worshiping with your hands up. The other versions that I don't see, I don't love. So I just love this version of you. But when I'm exposed to this other version of you, that's the version of you I can't seem to love. I don't have time to love. I don't want to put the effort into love. I love you until. The other one is, uh, I love them except for. I love you uh, as long as you just change this one thing about yourself. I love everything. Oh, I love it all. I love it all. I love everything about it, except for this, this one thing. If you, could just, if you could just dress a little different, you know, if you could kind of, if you could just, you know, I, I, I struggle with the, the tattoos. If you could just kind of cover them up. Oh, nobody's preaching on that one. I, I love you. I love you, except for this, this one thing. I, I know you, oh, you have to wear your heels. I get it. But if you could just, I love you, except for this one thing until you change that one thing I love you except for the problem is that when we make exceptions to the way that we're called to love one another based on society based on our own benchmarks and our emotions we now have begun down the slippery slope of compromise that is compromise John chapter 15, verse 17. This is what I command you, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. Pastor, if you're going to make a point, you're going to have to use more than one place in Scripture. Okay, I got you. Mark chapter 12 Verses 28 through 31. Then one of the scribes, an expert in Mosaic law, came up and listened to them arguing with one another. And noticing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is first and most important of all? Jesus answered, the first and most important one is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, your life, and with all your mind, thought, understanding, and with all your strength. Now, he didn't ask about the second, but Jesus said, uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me help you here. Let me help you out. <laughs> this is the second. You shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Loving your neighbor is found eight times in the Bible. Not once, not twice, eight times. Loving your neighbor is so important to God that he not only repeats himself, he makes it a command. God isn't just giving uh, good advice for us to live by. He's not saying, you know, this would be nice if you do this. No, he said, this is a command. The problem is somewhere along the lines, we thought that we were the judge and the jury on who our neighbors were and weren't. 
and that dictated how we chose to love them. This person is, uh, I, I don't I mean, they, this is how they, I don't have to love them. Look at what they did or look at what they're doing or look at how they are. Uh, it's a commandment, not a suggestion. <laughs> love them. And the problem with that is that's how the world chooses to love people, not believers. And when we encounter believers who love like unbelievers, it doesn't line up. And that's why it's confusing. And I really pray and hope that we understand the ripple effects that that has on the body of Christ and unbelievers when we choose to not walk in love. When we choose to not display the love that God has called us to. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is talking about the same thing. Matthew chapter 5 Verses uh, 43 through 47. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Your ancestors have also been taught. Love your neighbors and hate the ones who hate you. However, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly father. That is what is going to show people that you are a Christian He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and the rainfall to refresh whether a person does what is good or evil. And then he says this, what reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? Don't even the lowest of the low, the, the, the bottom of the one, who, the people who everybody, every, nobody goes to the IRS and is glad about it. He says, he says, don't even the tax collectors do that? How are you different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Jesus said, you don't get no points for that. Like, there's no brownie points for that. You don't get credit for that. You don't get a pat on the back for that. Everybody does that. That's easy. That's comfortable. But God didn't call us to live an easy or a comfortable life. The logo for Christianity is a cross, not a couch. It's a cross. You can see it at the top of any church and in front of any Bible. The logo is a cross. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 teaches us. He says that we are to present our life, present our bodies and live our life as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Because I understand some of you may not be, you know, you may not know church jargon. And that, what does that mean? Am I supposed to like slice myself? No, this is not that kind of church, okay? <laughs> Live your life as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That means that we have a life that's sincerely devoted to God, that's sincerely devoted to God's will and to God's word. That means it goes against your flesh and it goes against your emotions. That is the sacrifice. 
Then he says to live your life as a living sacrifice. The next thing he says is holy. Holy, what does that mean? Uh, the seasoned saints would say, holiness is still right. Holiness is still right. <laughs> Holy, what does that mean? That simply means that you are set apart. That means that you are different than everyone else, that you've been, you've been set apart for God. So he says that that is how we are to live our life. And because we've been called to live this way, our love should be a reflection of that. The way that we love one another should be a reflection of a living sacrifice. That means it's not going to be easy. That means it's not going to feel good. That means it's not going to be something that you are just going to want to do. The world's love is a reflection of who they serve. And our love should be a reflection of who we serve. Luke chapter 16. If I hadn't said it already, we're going to... My opinion means nothing. You need to see this in the Word. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. He says, It is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You will be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion. He says your choice between God and the wealth of this world is no different. You must enthusiastically love one and definitively reject the other. We cannot serve two masters. When we walk in this kind of love, it shows what master we serve. When we look around and we look at the way that we treat other people, whether we think they deserve it or not, it shows who we serve. And he said, you must enthusiastically love one and definitively reject the other. So the question tonight is, who do you serve? And who does your love life say that you serve? And do they line up? Do they line up. The world's love is conditional. It, it, it only benefits itself. It looks for the benefit to, to take and never to give it. The world's love is jealous and rude, essentially and sexually based. The world's love says my needs matter most. The world's love reacts in emotion. It's fickle. And it uses others to get ahead. That is the world's love. The Bible's love, however, is unconditional. It puts no condition on its love. It's decided to love, and that is final. It puts others first. It's patient. It keeps no record of wrong. It lays itself down for others. We can't just choose to love those we agree with and those that make it easy for us to love them. God has called us to care for and love broken people, not to look down on, to exploit or expose their brokenness as if their life is unredeemable. He didn't call us to love easy people. If it was easy, everybody would be able to do it. 
too quickly we throw people away because loving them has become an inconvenience for us. But you don't understand, Pastor. No, I do understand. It's hard. And sometimes people are hard. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And I'm so glad that God didn't throw us away like we have a tendency to throw people away. People need to encounter the love of Jesus no matter what their condition is. And their condition doesn't warrant us not to love them because their condition is temporary, but their soul is eternal. I think sometimes we forget that we are fighting for souls. This thing that we wake up and do every day, it's not just so you can go to work and pay the bills. There is something that God has called us to do. We are in a fight for souls. We are fighting for eternity, for our brothers, for our sisters, those who are around us. Eternity is at stake. But we would rather get tied up in nuances and opinions and emotions And we forget that we are in spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly place. If our love leads people to Jesus, then our love wages war on the enemy. We are in a fight, and we need to remember that that fight is spiritual. You mad. You upset. You angry. You refusing to forgive. You refusing to walk in love. Our fight is not with flesh and blood. So, Pastor, what do I do? Recognize the enemy. And I'm not going to go down a a five steps, but, but... recognize what the enemy is doing. A lot of times we're so tied up in our emotions. We're so tied up in how we feel and what's going on and the the offense that that has happened to us that we forget that the enemy is the one who is attacking us and not the person. And so we choose not to walk in love with the person and the enemy wins. Why are you being attacked? Why is the enemy attacking you in the area of love? Why does he not want you to love this person so bad? Why? Well, the enemy only attacks things that are a threat to him. So if you walking in love with that person is a threat to the enemy, you might need to recognize why. Because there is something that God has called you to do when you walk in love. It matters. It's not just how you feel. It's not just what you, what you think or, yeah, well, I'm not going to let nobody walk over me. You need to allow God to be your defender. He is the one who will make sure that you're not walked on. He is the one that will make sure that you're not uh, taken advantage for. He has you in his hands. And I think that if you do something that he commanded you to do, I don't see him failing you for that. He's commanded us to love. Hallelujah. If God has commanded us to love and he's made 
apparent who we are to love, then why is it so hard for us to love? Why is it so hard for us to love? Simply put, it's hard because it goes against everything that our flesh wants to do. We live in a world of sin. We were born in this flesh. And this goes against everything that our flesh wants to do. Our flesh operates in preservation of self. How do I preserve myself? How do I preserve my emotions? How do I preserve my image? How do I preserve what people think about me? How do I preserve how I feel about me? The flesh operates in preservation of self, but the love that God has called us to is preservation of others before ourselves. That is why so hard. This is why God has called us to die to ourself. Says Paul talks about dying to our flesh daily. This is the part that is a living sacrifice. Because I know some of them people that y'all work with, hallelujah. Some of the people that drive here in this city, hallelujah. But he says that we are to die to ourself daily. Die to what our flesh wants to do. And that's why it is important that we keep our flesh under submission and that we live a life that is led by the Spirit instead of a life that is led by the flesh. It is hard to love people when your, lead, when your life is led by the flesh. This is why we need the Lord's help. This is why we have to constantly seek him. And he has to constantly show us how to get our love life in order because it is difficult to love people. It is difficult to love hard people. But he says, I've, not only do I command you to do it, but it's, it's to your benefit that I've made it a commandment because if I made it a commandment, then I have to help you do it. You can't do it in your own strength. That's why you keep failing. We can't do it in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit to help us walk in this type of love. We need the Holy Spirit to help us get over offenses. We need the Holy Spirit to help us forgive, to, to forgive. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. You see that person and they clock in and you just need to go back. Help me, Jesus. 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 How you doing? How, how you doing? And it may look foolish and it may sound foolish, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you find yourself closing your mouth when you would have ordinarily opened your mouth. Why? Because that's what God has called us to do. The reason that it becomes difficult to walk in love is because we are distracted. We have taken our focus off of eternity and we've placed it on earthly, temporal things. We've become more concerned with our opinion and our desire to be right and our preservation of self than the reality of hell for those around us. 
Do you care that people are going to hell? Do you care? And he said, I've called you to love them because your love is what will draw them to me. When we get to heaven and we're asked, why didn't we obey the command to love? What will our excuse be? We didn't have time. We didn't like the way they voted. We, we didn't agree with their social stances. We had already given them too many chances. God forbid. We have been commanded as representatives of Jesus to love and to make sure that our love life lines up with the word of God. This is the command. And the only way that we can do that is with the Lord's help and when we have an accurate understanding of what love is. And I love Jesus so much because when he commands us to do something or he tells us to do something, he gives us instructions on what it's to look like. First Corinthians chapter 13, a scripture that we all know. Chapter 13, starting at verse 4. I'm going to read it out the Passion Translation. I've read this before, but this, this really speaks. And, and I'm going to read a little bit, and I'm going to explain. I'm going to read a little bit, and I'm going to explain. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is large and incredibly patient. That means it allows uh, uh, people the time to grow as God wants and not how we want. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It means they treat people like they matter. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. That means that it is grateful for what it has and it is happy for what you have. Love does not brag about one's achievement nor inflate its own importance. That means love has nothing to prove. It is humble and it is confident in who God says it is. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. That means it cares about other people's feelings. It's willing to hear other people's opinions. It values other people's ideas. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. That means it's peaceful. Its goal is peace. And it celebrates in making others better. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others love never takes failure as a defeat for it never gives up that means it is willing to walk a long process to see the best situation and see the best result happen Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually will fade away. It's more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. And that simply means that love is faithful. This is the type of love that God has charged us to walk in. 
We won't see perfection in this until we get to heaven. But what God has called us to do, as as Paul says, is strive towards the mark. Every day seeking to make improvements, seeking to get better, seeking to get to this definition of love. Love is faithful. This is what he's called us to do. Jesus, as always, gives us an example of just what that looks like. In John chapter 18, we we walk in on, on Jesus being taken away in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in verse 15, it says, Peter followed, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known went out, spoke to the servant girl, kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. And the servant girl said, Peter, 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 who who just, who out here cutting off people's ears. Peter, who has walked with Jesus, who has seen uh, Jesus' miracles, who's seen the, the 5,000 be fed, who, who is, who's cast demons out. Peter, who has walked right next to Jesus and seen all of his miracles, who was just there, who just said he wouldn't deny Jesus. Are you one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. I am not. We walk through the story of Jesus being crucified and Jesus raising again. We meet, the, we meet this story again in John chapter 21. A couple of pages over. John chapter 21, verses 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, worship team, you can come. Simon Son of John, do you love me more than these? See, the type of love that that Jesus is talking about here is agape. It's this unconditional kind of love. The love that puts others before itself. The love that's willing to die. The type of love that we're, we're, we're talking about this whole time. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Pastor Keenan, what is phileo? Phileo is this a brotherly type of love. The love that one has for, for a brother, for, for a family member, someone who's, who's tight. It's this, this type of love. And he says, uh, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Different levels of love. Jesus is 
is asking about the ultimate love. And, 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 and Simon Peter is saying, I phileo you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The third time he asked, he answered. Jesus told him, feed my sheep. In that moment, Jesus did this. He, he, he said, I know where you are because this, this is what true love does. True love says that I see where you are, but I'll build you to where you need to be. Love doesn't let you stay where you are. Doesn't let you stay where you're at. It is with you and it grows you to where you need to be. Simon Peter was at phileo. And he's like, you know what I have. This is all that I got. You know that I phileo you. You know that I phileo you. You know that, that this is the max that I have. And Jesus says, okay, then I'll take that but I'm going to walk with you. But I'm going to stick with you. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you. I'm, I'm going to, my Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you and I'm going to grow you to agape. And it's this type of love that doesn't make sense to the world. Because the world would have thrown them away already. The world would have, so, you, you, you denied me. I'm done with you. They would have given up. They would have thrown in the towel. They would have already been done with it because that's the way that the world does. If they don't see the benefit, then they're done with it. That's the world type of love. But that's not the love that Jesus called us to. Jesus says in John 13, I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. Jesus set a new standard for love. He says, I don't want you to love like you've heard. I don't want you to love like the world loves. No, he set a new standard for love as the true measurement of love as we love one another. He says, I know it's not easy. And you might be at a place where he says, I know that all you have is phileo, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to impart into you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to empower you to agape. Because when we agape, that is when it begins to line up. They will know us. 
they will know Limitless Church by the love that we have one for another. They will know the city of Woodland by the love that we have one for another. Because a group of people got together and decided to walk in a God type of love. Does your love life line up? Today's the day we make a decision. Because once we've heard the word, now we're held accountable. We got homework, guys. Each and every one of us, including myself, we got homework. This is what God called us to do. We have no choice but to walk it out. Heavenly Father.